You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. shall we say if God is for us who can be against us (laughs) he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not how shall he not with him also freely give us all things who shall bring a charge against God's elect it is God who justifies Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors, more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, I firmly believe that neither death nor life nor angel nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. (laughs) Now he keeps saying there, and this is just extra, you don't have to pay me for this. Who shall? Who shall separate us? Who shall charge us? Who shall come against us? And I want you to notice something in these verses. Nobody's doing any action but God. So the devil can go back to where he's come from, and, and our accusers can just might as well save their breath. Even your own heart and your own mind can just settle down. Because there is no one who can accuse us. No one. I'm, I'm even getting ahead of myself. Amen. Because God is for us. Now, I want you to notice one verse today, and then we're going to go backwards. One, not one verse, one phrase. And here it is, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to these things? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Help us, God, to teach what is true and right. Help us to believe and to see, open the eyes and hearts and minds of believers today and give us revelation of your truth. And we know that we can understand because we have the Spirit of God that abides in us and we have the mind of Christ. So help us, Lord, to pay attention in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What shall we then say to these things? Now, the first thing you've got to understand is what things? What things is he talking about? Well, I take that as meaning the whole chapter of chapter 8. Chapter 8 is kind of like Ephesians 1. It is basically just a run-on teaching and hallelujah praise to God's work in saving you and me giving him all the glory and praise and honor. Any doctrine that you believe that takes away any of the credit from God is a false doctrine. 
Jonah said, as I repeated twice last Sunday, salvation is of the Lord. Amen. And I praise God that he has come to us and saved us and washed us. And so I want us to review today these things. So get your shouting hats on and get your rejoicing hats on because we're just going to review what we've already learned. We're going to do it quickly. We won't be here but just a few more minutes and we're going to be saying when I say we're finished, oh, Brother Ron, don't stop because God is good, isn't he? Number one, I want you to see these things. In verses 1 and 2, we have, and I don't have any fancy outline, as you'll see, we are rescued from condemnation and given freedom in Christ. <laughs> rescued <laughs> from the condemnation of freedom, uh, of condemnation and given freedom in Christ. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no declaration of guilt to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what that means. That's what the word condemnation means. Just like Brother Justin, the word justification means declared not guilty. Condemnation would be to be declared guilty. And God says, For the child of God, there is no declaration of guilt for you. The Bible says, and this is why I believe that the Christian will not go through the tribulation, is that we have not been reserved for wrath. It says it over and over again. We've been re we have been rescued from the wrath of God. My friend, I, even so far as I remember, I think I just mentioned this a while back, we used to be guilted into serving Jesus and being guilted into soul winning because one day you'll stand at that great white throne judgment, and although the judgment won't be for you, you'll see as God casts all those people into hell and you'll weep and cry and wish you'd have witnessed. That's not true. Now, I don't want to minimize your fault in not being a witness. You should be a witness. Say amen. amen. But my friend, there's going to be a judgment one day for the Christian and we'll be judged according to our works, whether they were done in the spirit or in the flesh, and we'll receive reward or we will lose reward for it. Not to see whether we're going to heaven or hell or not. Not to see if God's going to frown upon us. My friend, the Bible says that when we go to heaven, although I think our first reaction is going, might be guilt, I don't know. But my friend, we will be met with a welcoming, loving, gracious, happy God. You say, Brother Ron, what about all my sins? He took care of them 2,000 years ago under the blood of Christ. You will not pay one cent for any of your sin or else you need to quit singing. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I'm telling you. Quit singing that if you think that one day you're going to have to look at a God who will look down at you with condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation. I should have wore my spenders today. <laughs> in Christ Jesus. Amen. Number two, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to me and to you. Now, now friend, now you listen to me today. I don't want to make any mistake. If you've never trusted in Christ, place your faith in Christ, turn from your sin and turn to God in faith. If you've never had a born again experience, I'm not talking to you. You have none of these promises. 
This is only for those whose lives have been changed by the regenerating power of Jesus Christ when they place their faith in Christ. And I don't say that with delight. I say that with sorrow. But by the end of this service today, guess what? You can be inserted into Romans 8. If you'll come to Christ by faith. Well, anyway, I had to get that out. I'm talking to those that are Christian, those that love God. And I don't mean you say you love God or love God like you love chocolate. I mean you are totally committed to him. That's what it is. Like a husband's supposed to love his wife. Listen, if I love Christy like some of us love Jesus, like sometimes I love Jesus, she'd be mad. No, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, love. And to those who are called, who have received the call of God to come to him by faith, the effectual call of God that we preached about last week. But let me get back to my point. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us. Again, look at verse 2. Uh, For the law of the spirit of life, uh, of, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. You know why it was weak? Because you can't keep the law. You can't keep the law. I want to ask you, how many of you have broken the law of God? Now, don't raise your hand, a little rhetorical, but think about it. And if you think, well, I'll tell you what, I'm a good person. Okay, let's see. Have you ever lied? You ever lied? The Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not lie. God hates a lying tongue, the Bible says. Have you ever stolen anything? I mean, a piece of gum, an eraser off a friend's desk. I mean, stolen anything. Listen, they call people to do that thieves. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Now, I'm preaching, so I'm not taking God's name in vain, but I'm kind of illustrating this. Have you ever said, like I've even done myself, oh, my God, you weren't praying, you weren't preaching, and you weren't praising. You know what you're doing? Cussing. That's what you're doing. Cursing the name of God. You ever done that? The Bible says, I will not hold him guiltless who takes my name in vain. My friend, if you try to get to heaven by your goodness, you're going to hell. Nobody gets to heaven on their own righteousness. And you say, well, brother on, if that's true, I'm in a heap of trouble. Yeah, but listen, because this is the point I'm talking about. Listen to this. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak to the flesh, our flesh, we were sinners. God did. God did. <laughs> By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemns in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does that mean? That means that when you come to Christ in humility, falling on your face before God and say, Oh God, I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart. Save me, O oh Lord. He takes the righteousness of Christ and puts it in your account. What shall we say to these things? Number three, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit Jesus Christ the Son and God the Eternal Father. Romans 8 and 9, and we studied this. These are all in my sermons. You can get on our podcast and you can go and go back and listen to all of the full sermons. It'd be worth it if you didn't get to hear them. It's not that I'm a great preacher, but it's just a great subject and, and we had a good time. But listen to this. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by the Trinity. Romans 8 and 9, but you are not in the flesh 
This is chapter 8. You are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, by the way, let me tell you, there are some that teach that, that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is a subsequent, subsequent work of, the, of, the, uh, of God. In other words, you can get saved but not have the Spirit. Right there it tells if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His. My friend, that's what salvation is, is receiving the Spirit. So don't, don't be taken in by that heresy. Verse 10, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And I'll quit there. I'm telling you what a wonderful privilege. Listen, I, I, I dwell in what I, I consider a very sacred place. And it's right there, about few foot in that parsonage it's just a parsonage it's just a house but to me and my wife my children it's a sacred place it's a loving place it's where we practically raised our children it's the house that y'all have lovingly provided for us we love you therefore we love that place you provided for us it's a sacred place to us but I tell you what, there's some people in this town would come and, and would say hey listen how would you like to stay in this house and they'd say this house would fit in my bedroom you know Oh, no big deal. No big deal. My mother raised seven children, and when I was born on July the 16th, 1967, we lived in a house that would most likely fit on this platform. Seven children, a husband and a wife. What, what are you saying, Brother Ron? I, I tell you, it'd be a privilege. Listen, I go out on the road. Chris and I travel, and we were in traveling, and when we had to pay for our own motel rooms and stuff, we would usually get a Motel 6 or a Super 8 or something, something the, the lowest price we could without it being too nasty, you understand. I've had churches put us in things that I wouldn't put my enemy. Am I true? Am I telling the truth? We've stayed in places where they didn't even have locks on the doors. And gunshots through the windows. Makes a Motel 6 look like a palace. But most churches, most churches usually are the kind of their heart put us up in a Holiday Inn or sometimes a Hampton Inn or La Quinta. And I was, they put me in a La Quinta one time. I kid you not, the, the ceilings in this motel room were 13 feet tall. I felt like I was in a mansion. It was great. But I want to tell you, if I had to pay for it myself, I couldn't afford that. I wouldn't want to, and there's some places I don't want to dwell. There's some places I want to dwell. But here's the amazing thing and the point that I really need to get to quicker than I'm getting there is God Almighty desires to dwell inside of you. What are you going to say about those things? What are you going to say about those things? Can, can you not get out a holy grunt of thinking God indwells me? Why? Why? Listen tell you all the time I'm not a holy man I have sinner I'm a sinner I'm a man of like passion, passions just like you the Bible says that Elijah was a man of like passions just like we are we're all sinners but the holy God of eternity comes and dwells in you Whew. number four we are changed by the power of the Spirit. By the power of the Spirit. Hey, listen, you may not like me at all, but I'll guarantee you this, you'll like, you, you, you like me better than you would have if I hadn't gotten saved. 
I've told y'all the greatest example of how God comes and changes life was my mama, bitter, mean, mad, hated most all men. Her dad was an alcoholic and abusive and her husband wasn't much better and she just was broken in life. And then one day God came and changed her and, and she started loving on her husband and kissing on him and started loving her, although she loved us, but she just did it in a nice way. She quit whipping us as much. Hallelujah, glory to God. She started smiling more. She started caring more about her appearance and, and, and more about herself and her health and everything. I'm telling you, when Jesus comes into your heart, he changes everything. If you've never been changed, maybe you've not been saved. Changes everything. You start wanting to do the things. That, you know, I've told you all a lot of times, some of these people don't believe that you, you, they believe you can lose your salvation. So you old Baptist... You think you can live any old way you want to and be saved? Absolutely, that's right. That's right. Because as a Christian, when you get saved, you want to go to church. You want to serve Jesus. You want to be, listen, you want to be involved in the ministry of the church. You want to go to Sunday school. You want to come on Sunday night. You want to come on Wednesday night. Did y'all just hear that? You want to come on Sunday night. And you want to come on Wednesday night if you can. And you want to be faithful. You want to be faithful. And life may be tough, but Jesus paid it all. I'll tell you, before you make the decision not to come back tonight, go read the last portions of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and watch the sacrifice he paid for you and say it's not worth it. I got a headache. I don't feel good. I want to rest. No, my friend, once you get saved by the power of God, you want to be faithful. You want to love others. You want to love the brethren. And you want to do right. You want to obey God. You want to keep his commandments. You don't get saved by keeping his commandments. Hallelujah. None of us would be saved. But bless God, after you get saved, you sing, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eye. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey. And the honeycomb. <laughs> That's the change. Now I want to tell you, uh, uh, what shall we then say to these things? Uh, listen, you don't have to say anything, but at least smile about it while I'm preaching on it. All right? Now look at this. We are changed by the power of the Spirit. Romans 8, 14. For as many as have been led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Number five. We are made children of God. Made children of God. I am the son of Stanley Roosevelt Owen and Peggy Lou Bray Owen. Means nothing to you. Nothing. It means everything to me. I love my dad and I love my mom and I like the family we were in. We weren't the richest. We're probably not the smartest. We're probably not the best look well. A lot of people brag. I'm going to tell this joke. We may take it off Facebook. Three little boys were talking, and one little boy said, My daddy owns the bank. And they said, Well, whoop de doo. Yeah, he owns the bank. He, he controls everybody's money in this town. And one guy said, My daddy's the mayor. He controls the town. 
Another little boy was a preacher's son. I can't believe I'm telling this. Another boy was a preacher's son. And he felt bad. And he thought, oh, I remember, my daddy owns hell. Your daddy owns hell. He said, yeah, I said the deacons gave it to him last week. <laughs> Can y'all believe the pastor just told that joke? Chris Cotton's here today and he loved it. I'll guarantee you that. Well, I apologize if that's offensive to you. I apologize. But they did. No, anyway. Anyway. Yeah, we, you know, we like to name drop. We like to talk to somebody. I, I saw a meme the other day on, on our question. Somebody asked, said, who is the most famous person you've ever talked to? And so I put on there, I talk to the king of kings every morning. Every morning. That's not silliness. That's the truth. I talk to God. Why do I need to feel inferior when I'm in front of somebody who's famous or, or well-known or lots of money or whatever? I, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the stars and sun that shine. He owns the valleys, the rocks, the rills, the wealth and ever mine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. And he's my daddy, so they're mine as well. Oh, man, Romans eight fourteen. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That means like Daddy, Papa. It's an intimate term. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He didn't just save us and send us on our way. He saved us, brought us into the family, adopted us, gave us new life, regenerated us by the Spirit of God. And if we are children, verse 17 says, then we're heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Woo! Uh, I can't believe that. Brother, what are you going to say to these things? I, I'm speechless. I can't believe it. But I do believe it because he said, heirs of God, join heirs of God. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. We eagerly, number six, number six, we eagerly wait for a new home. We have been promised a new home. Maybe you ought to put that there. Romans 8, 18, for I consider that suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I'll stop there. The earth groans, it says in these verses, for our redemption, that's our completed redemption, body, soul, and spirit one day when Christ comes. Now you say, Brother On, you mean we're not fully redeemed? No, because you still have that fleshly sinful body, and one day you'll lay it down, and God will give you a new one. You say, well, maybe God won't complete it. Did you hear the cussing you just did? That God won't do what he said he's going to do? This is what he said he was going to do. He's going to do it. The earth groans for our bodily redemption. Uh, we groan for our bodily redemption. And the spirit groans for our sanctification and bodily redemption. God is for us. Number seven, the Holy Spirit and Jesus intercedes for us on orders from the Father. I tell you through this whole thing, that is one of my favorite points that I brought out is that, yes, Jesus Christ intercedes, and yes, the Holy Spirit intercedes, but the reason they intercede, it's because they love us and they want us, but above all, it's because God the Father said, do it, do it. God is for us. 
Uh, let me go on quickly. Number eight, all things work together for good. And there it is. It all comes down to boom. Verse 28. God said all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to purpose. And here's the reason we can say that. Those last seven things that I've just been preaching about. And so he says here in verse 31, what shall we say about these things? And he saw that and then he says that big verse that all things will work together. And then notice, notice the last one we preached about the last two weeks. Believers are foreknown or foreloved. Whom he foreknew, not what he would foreknew. And we're foreloved and we're predestined and we've been effectually called by God. We've been justified, declared not guilty. And we have been glorified. Now that is that has not happened yet, but he puts it in the past tense because when God promises you're going to heaven, guess what? You're going to heaven. You better just get prepared. Amen. Theologians debate something called, in Latin, the ordo salutis. Now you know more, don't you? It means the order of salvation. There are all kinds of lists and differing opinions. These preachers probably know what I'm talking about. Helpful, maybe, yes. Maybe, but no, but not important. It's not important. The word salutis is not necessarily that important because the Bible does not speak of an order of salvation. Now, it gives one, but not necessarily organized one. But these verses, this verse, these two verses, 29 and 30, are as close to one as you're going to get. Okay? It's organized by time. In time past, you were foreknown. God's choice of love for us was known before time began. This is not, this is not God knowing what we would do with him, but what he would do with us. And he purposed all of it before the worlds were framed. In time past, God the Father had plans. He made plans according to his own will. That's what it says over and over and over and over and over and over and over in the Bible. To the praise of his glory, his grace, and his will and purpose. And also in time past, he predestined. There's that word, the, the, the next word. Predestined God's purposes and plans for us and in us before time began. We sing that song, and I'm going to keep singing it. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Now, let me remind you again. When he was out in eternity before the worlds were framed, you were on his mind. I was on his mind. He had it in his mind to save us. Calling. The next one is calling. This is in time. So we have those future things, and now we have the present things, our in time things. He called us. March 3rd, 1976, God came, and he effectually called me to himself. He opened my eyes and my heart and my ears and my understanding and called me. And when I saw Jesus for who he was, I came running. I came running, not against my will. He didn't drag me kicking and screaming and not wanting to come. No, my friend, I came willingly. The Bible says in Psalms that they will be made willing in the day of your grace. 
justification. That's what happens in time. When I called on the name of the Lord, God, I don't know if he stood up or not, but God in heaven said and declared in the courts of heaven, Ron Owen is not guilty. He is guiltless. <laughs> and then glorification. That's future. Although he says it in present time, it's future. I've already preached on this. This promise of God that in the future we will be given glorified bodies is in an eternal state of no more sighing, no more crying, no more dying, no more goodbying, and no more sin. We will live in his glory. We will live in his love, and we will live in his presence forever and ever and ever. Am I boring y'all? Conclusion. This is my conclusion. What then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to these things? Let me ask you a couple of questions. I even put up on the board. What are you going to say? What do you say to these things? What do you say to these things? Now, I'll tell you what, verses uh, 30 and uh, 29 and 30 have been debated and, and, uh, and uh, some people get scared of them. Some preachers just ignore them altogether. And instead of explaining what they mean, they explain it away of what they think it doesn't mean. But my friend, do you think that's why those verses were put in there? No, my friend. He said foreknowledge. He said calling. He said uh, predestination because it's something to rejoice over. Something to be glad about. So whatever you think it is, be glad about it. Talk about it. Brag about it. Give Jesus the glory for it. That's what it is. What are you going to say about these things? What are you going to say about all these seven or eight things that I just mentioned? What do you then, now listen, do because of these things? What you going to do now that you've learned these things? And heard the, has, has, listen, I'm not going to ask because somebody may, may, may disagree with me, but have you believed what I said today? Have you heard some truth that God uh, used through me to say to you and it's truth and you know it? Maybe you've been uh, inspired. Maybe you've been convicted. Maybe you've been uh, taught. And now you know truth and you've heard the truth and it's not just this little fat preacher up here. It's the Spirit of God preaching to His Word. What you gonna do about it? Let me just give you a few things you ought to be doing. Number one, worship. Worship. Hallelujah for the cross. There's a royal banner given for display. We need to sing this, Brother Jim. To the soldiers of the king, as an ensign fair we lift it up today, while the ransomed ones we sing, toiling on, toiling on, for Christ count everything but loss, and we'll crown him king, toil and sing beneath the banner of the cross. <laughs> Work. Now, I know for some of us, that's a four-letter word, work. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Work is a good thing. Thank God you got the ability to work. Yeah. By the way, we had some men come up to the church yesterday uh, that uh, have the ability. Now, they probably don't have it today. <laughs> but run some lines, digging ditches, knocking out gas lines. <laughs> and we had fun. Now, I supervised. 
I tried to, well, let me tell you, this is what, this is how y'all treat me. And this is true. I tell Christy this. I, every time I grab a rake or something, they grab it out of my hand. Larry Parker's the worst one of it. He doesn't think I know how to work at all. That's not your job, preacher. Well, hey, I'm not afraid to work. And I enjoy it. We had fun yesterday. Now, don't y'all have fun when you get together on work days? It really turns out oh, work day. And then you get here and you laugh and you work and you have fun. I tell you what, it's fun to serve Jesus. It's fun to work for Jesus. It's fun. Sometimes we have to get our flesh going. I've got to witness somebody. And boy, it's hard to do. It's hard. But I tell you what, if you'll obey God and keep witnessing, one day somebody is going to receive Christ because of your witness. And I won't have to ask you to shout. It'll do it for you. Well, anyway, I've got to go on. Witness. Work and witness and tell others. Listen, when you love something so much, you want to talk about it. There's a few things you're going to find out if you spend any time around Ron Owen. You're going to learn about Christy Owen. You're going to learn about Adrian and Allison Owen. You're going to learn about Antioch East Baptist Church. But bless God, I hope that I will not be uh, wrong and, and, not for, and forget Jesus. I hope when you talk to Ron Owen, that boy's a Christian. I hope you call me a Bible thumper. I hope you call me a fanatic. Witness. And then, worship. You said, Brother Ron, you already said that one. Yeah. The Bible said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What is that? Worship. Thy kingdom, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. I'm, I'm getting it on. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What's that? Worship. Yeah, it's bookends of your life. Worship, worship. Listen, the true son of a believer is worship. Worship and glory in God. After Paul finishes his preaching of the glorious doctrines of salvation in chapter 11, in chapter 12, and that, that we're talking about Romans 1 through 11, he finishes preaching about salvation. In chapter 12, verse 1, he gets into the practical side, and he will say in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore. I beseech you therefore, brethren. What shall we say to these things? What shall we do because of these things? Basically, is what he's saying. By the mercies of God, by all these mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Would you consider your body a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And some translations translate that, which is your reasonable service of worship. Of worship. And that is accurate. Oh, my friend, what are you going to do now that you've heard all these things and know all these things? First thing you ought to do, you ought to come to Jesus if you don't know him. Believe in this Christ that did so much for you. Take in his righteousness and be born again. And then you ought to be a worshiper. You ought to be a worker. You ought to be a witness. And then you ought to just worship some more. 